welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. When today's guest contacted me about coming on podcast, I'll admit to a moment of ageism, but I'm not that biased, however, to rule someone out without more information. When I was doing my research, I read words like, this is not your grandfather's retirement. How many times have I said that we boomer women are not our mothers or our grandmothers when it comes to this mid-age adventure? In Justin's workbook, he discusses how so many people have no interest in sitting on the porch in their rocker. They prefer action, even work, but on their own terms. Again, I describe myself as this grandma's off her rocker. And I've often said that we, the boomers, know exactly what we're retiring from, and we're more interested in what we can retire to. I am so looking forward to this conversation today. Justin Smith, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, no, this is great. Now, Justin, I intimated in my intro that you're not a boomer, you're a young man. May I ask what inspired you to work with mid-age professionals and to guide, is that the right word? Yeah. Um, Guide them to find uh, and weigh other options? Yeah, I'm I'm always interested in dynamic, complex challenges. And in the financial planning world, that transition, you know, as we've typically called it, traditional retirement transition is one of the more complicated, dynamic planning components. There's a lot of tax planning that goes with it, which I find really interesting. So I've always been drawn to that complex problem. And as I spend more and more time there, it's just really interesting to see these evolving trends with people about how they're thinking about it. As you mentioned, this, they're not thinking about it like their grandfather's retirement, get to retirement age, collect a pension and maybe play golf, go on a cruise sit on the rocking chair. That's not what people want to do it as much anymore. They want to redefine what work looks like. They want to do things on their own terms. They want to have enough freedom and independence and autonomy uh, while still maybe getting fulfillment and purpose and enjoyment out of, out of work. So seeing that trend really has just grabbed me and I want to help show that more people how that's possible and help them break free of the traditional path because it's so easy for people to just say, that, that's really enticing, this, this new way of thinking about it. But there's this old worn down path over here that everyone else goes down. I feel safer going down that road. I want to help them stop and pause and evaluate what else might be possible. Well, I think to just from my own point of view, not only would I die of boredom, <laughs> but, you know, we're role models for the upcoming generations. And I think more and more as we become a, a global community, a global uh, economy, 
uh, yeah, just keeping on contributing somehow uh, is so important. Exactly. Okay, I'm going to jump right in. What is the victory lap? So the victory lap is this cool concept that uh, my colleague Rob Morrison coined uh, a handful of years back. There's another gentleman in uh, Canada named Mike Drack, who is in this kind of new retirement space as well. They co-authored a book together called Victory Lap Retirement. That was another one of those kind of springboard moments for me where I just got really excited uh, working with Rob, seeing this kind of new concept and have been pushing that thought process out, out to the world. And the idea is that if you get to the end of the traditional race, if you will, right, there's still, you might still, you know, be on a, a runner's high. You want, want to take a victory lap, right? You're doing it at your own terms. You, you know, the, the clock is not running anymore, but you still want to be out there enjoying it, you know, enjoying the fruits of your labor, et cetera. So it's just a cool way to kind of label this next chapter. There's so many different people. I've heard dozens of different ways that people frame this kind of new phase of life, whether it's a victory lap, an encore, a, a, a second act, a third act, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's just embracing that this is a new stage of life. There's more than just the traditional retirement. So that leads really nicely into my next question, which is, you know, what are some of the more common avenues that your clients consider when they want to move on from their current career? Um, and I also saw the term hybrid retirement. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of one way I think about it is it, it's, it's really people want to move out of the full-time work world and into something a little bit more hybrid, again, where they can have the best of both worlds. They want the fulfillment and purpose and engagement from work. Maybe they still want or need the compensation from work as well, but they also want more of that independence and autonomy and freedom that retirement typically provides. So they're looking for, again, the best of both worlds, the hybrid approach. We'll talk frequently today probably about my Career Crossroads workbook, and I know there's going to be links to that uh, in the show notes. But inside there, there's actually a matrix uh, about the hybrid work matrix that we've put together to help people start putting ideas together about how could hybrid work look for me. And it's kind of a two-by-two two matrix, depending on what type of work you want to do and what, what type of income you want or need. So in those four quadrants, the, the most common examples we see are consulting. So that is somebody who has kind of been, has developed professional expertise and experience, but they now want to downshift. They want to, again, do things on their own terms. So instead of working for a corporation, they're working for themselves, working on, you know, individual projects and things like that. So they can have a little bit more control and be their own boss. So consulting is been one of the most popular ways to do that over, over time. Another way that people approach hybrid work is potentially by serving on boards. Again, if you have a great degree of professional experience and expertise, serving on the board of a company, of a nonprofit, that can be a you know fulfilling and challenging and rewarding way to pursue hybrid work where you are only working for you know short, discrete periods of time throughout the year. And there's other ways to think about boards as well. Maybe it's serving on your HOA board. Now, that is actually our homeowners association for our, our, our international crew. 
But that actually falls more into our kind of community category of the matrix. And we just term that broadly the community, meaning that might be working in education. It might be working in the nonprofit space. It might be, you know, working outdoors, whatever it might be. It's something that's tied to your local community and you are working with people in a way that might be completely different from what your professional career was, but it's now what you find yourself doing. I know people who were uh, analytical finance and spreadsheet people that now work and volunteer with a hospice organization. Completely radical shift, but again, they're finding their purpose and fulfillment by engaging with the community and, and doing hybrid work there. And then the last category in that four-part hybrid work matrix is, this is kind of the wild card, catch-all, entrepreneurial category, right? If this is creating your own opportunity, uh, this could be in the arts, this could be with a new business, uh, this is where all the really interesting stories come from. Uh, we have had people who open up a cookie shop or start a watch repair business or you know, go to art shows and sell their art, uh, whatever it might be. There's just a lot of really interesting things that can be done in that category. So in, in, in the workbook, again, we have more of a deliberate process you can work through to identify where on that matrix might make the most sense for you. If you're having, you know, challenges thinking about, Hey, what, what would be the best type of hybrid work for me? Okay. And a, a question that just came to mind as you were speaking is, I also know people who want to relocate completely. Mm -hmm. So different country, like totally different. Can they incorporate some of those things from a relocation place? Like say, I don't know, Central America or South America, that sort of thing. And, and still maintain their semi-professional or professional next step. Yeah. I've actually seen that a lot. And, um, domestically here in the States, what I've seen, especially during the pandemic, is that everything went virtual. And we've kind of proven that the virtual world works, especially if you're doing something on the knowledge side of, of, of work, right? So if you have a consulting company, that's something where you can be anywhere in the world as long as the time zones sync up. And I've, I've worked with people who are in a different country and they maintain their consulting business or they're on the road in their RV or camper for, for months at a time while continuing to run their business. And also, you know, I'm in Arizona, which is the, you know, the desert down here, nice and warm, but I grew up in the Midwest, the Northern part of the country where it's much colder. We see a massive number of people at this stage in life moving from, from the cold North to the nice warm South, or maybe splitting their time between. And again, having that hybrid work can help facilitate that where you are maybe less tied to your geographic location uh, and severing that geographic connection between your work. It's interesting, as you said that, I realized that I do have a client, an older couple who too cold up here in Canada right at the moment. So they're down in Arizona. And the one thing he made sure he took was uh, his computer. <laughs> yep. <His laptop. laughs> we absolutely see a very significant influx of, of Canadians starting October, November time through about March. There's a, a very substantial influx of Canadians down here in Phoenix. Move over. 
Now, what do you find are the most important considerations before a person sets an exit date? So again, you mentioned this up front, but we don't want to get too fixated on what you're retiring from. We want to start planning well ahead of time of what you're retiring to. And it can be so easy to just get started down a path. But I always like to tell people to, to pause and create a more intentional plan uh, about what you want, what you really want the next chapter to look like instead of just pursuing one thing and running with that and ignoring the big picture. So I like to start with an exercise where you're just kind of envisioning what your ideal future looks like. What do, does your ideal next chapter look like? What's a perfect day? What's a perfect month? What's a perfect year in that next chapter? And really start to get clear about what's important, what you want, what you don't want, and ultimately come up with uh, a vision for, for what that next chapter is. Usually it's just a couple sentences and that can help be your, your guiding North star, you know, your compass to help point you back in the right direction if you you do get off course. So that's where I always like to start is we want to create a deliberate, intentional plan. And the focal point, the top of that plan is going to be vision. Okay. Um, So, you know, we sort of set a potential goal or something to aim towards, drive towards. Oftentimes, income will be delayed. So, so what other aspects there do you look at? Yeah. So again, the vision's going to drive the, the rest of the components of, of, of your plan, right? And after you do have your vision set up, I think you need to start setting up a variety of different goals that are going to help support that. Uh, as you mentioned, one of those goals is there's going to probably be some financial goals. You know, how much cash flow do I need? From what sources is that going to come from? What kind of work do I need to do or want to do? What do I want to, what kind of goals do I have in terms of my health and wellness? What kind of goals do I have in terms of my relationships, my community involvement, my hobbies? We want you to kind of think through all of those different components and and start to frame out goals around those things. Um, And like you mentioned on on the, the financial and cash flow side of things, you need to get comfortable taking a little bit more of a hybrid approach right? Throughout your working career, your paycheck should hopefully cover just about everything. But it's more of a a patchwork as you get to this phase. You might have part-time work or you might have consulting work with sporadic income. So you're going to need to have other retirement income sources that can help support that. You're going to need to strategically set aside more reserves so that you can deal with the up and down fluctuations and the unpredictability of running your own business or having, you know, project-based work, whatever that might be. So that is uh, a really critical component to the plan. Two questions come to mind is, first of all, if your client is married, do you deal with, like, do do you talk with them or do you talk with the couple or is like dealing with the spouses add up to them or? I think it's really critical that you have to have a shared vision. And sometimes there's negotiations that that go along with that. But if you're not communicating as a couple, clearly somebody's going to have an experience that does not align with their expectations. So it's really, really critical sooner rather than later to be talking through these things. You know, you mentioned location earlier. If one spouse 
is really adamant on spending X number of months a year in a warmer climate and getting out of the winter, and the other one is a little ambivalent, you're going to need to make a compromise or find a way to make that work. Geography is usually one of those big ones that, that comes into play. One spouse might want to travel more than the other, etc. Coming to a mutual understanding is really important because if it doesn't work for both, it works for none. Your answer to this next question is probably just going to be anecdotal, but, you know, we think of professionals and things like that, that they probably have, you know, retirement uh, accounts put aside, but maybe not, you know, who knows what life has, has dealt them or what sort of person they are. Do you ever have people who say, eh, you know, I don't have as much, you know, in the bank or invested as I probably should, so I can live for a fraction of the price, uh, I don't know, South America yeah. or whatever? We've seen that, and I, I have encountered a handful of people that have moved outside of the States. Uh, but more frequently, I've, I've seen people saying either maybe I didn't prepare as well as I should have, or I just want to get off of the, the work treadmill sooner rather than later. There's just it, priorities in my life that are going to supersede money, whether that's you know time, your health, your relationships. And they might just say, you know, to me, it's worth it to downsize my lifestyle, to reduce my expenses so that I can, you know, downshift from a full, full speed career to something more, more hybrid. So we see that a lot and people are, you know, making that trade off where they need to. Yeah. When I was researching Justin Smith, (laughs) I heard you talk about a personal board of directors. Can you explain that? Yeah. So as you're going through this process, again, that Career Crossroads workbook, I've, I've designed to help you work through this process. And it's, it's a way for you to kind of get these ideas out of your head onto paper. Once you do get those onto paper, again, I think the first step is reviewing with a spouse or partner to make sure you guys have alignment in your v- visions and goals for the future. And then once you do have that on paper, then it's time to get a little outside perspective on it as well. This might be your only time transitioning into retirement. Probably will be. Uh, most people only do this thing once, maybe twice. Uh, so it helps to talk to people who have done this before. Professionals who help guide people through this you know, transition for a living. Because then you get to borrow the collective wisdom and experience of dozens or hundreds of other people to help shape and inform your path forward. It can help you. Uh, avoid mistakes and take advantage of opportunities, set realistic expectations. So again, yeah, I like to talk about this personal board of directors. Again, it could be professionals, it could be friends, it could be colleagues, but people, you know, make sure it's people that are willing to give you maybe the hard truth. If, if you kind of know in your gut that that's what you need to hear somebody who's not going to sugarcoat it, that will give you an honest perspective. And somebody else is also going to need to have the experience to be able to speak about it, right? If if you are considering moving across the country or to a different country in total, you want to talk to somebody who has experience with that. If you're just talking to somebody who's never left their hometown, their perspective is probably not nearly as worthwhile as somebody else who's actually done it before. I love conversations like this because so many ideas keep uh, racing into my head. I realized as I was sort of doing this research and and this might be a gender question as well. A friend of mine was a high-level manager. 
She knew she had successfully followed the expected career path, but her life wasn't happy. It wasn't even really hers. There was no one within her organization she could talk to because that would jeopardize her career um, and jeopardize it before she had a plan. She needed the plan first. She's figured it out very successfully, but are you the type of person she could have worked with to maintain her professional status quo? And also, you know, you talked about that personal board of directors. You mentioned family. Often, from what I hear, um, family will say, mom, you can't do that. You know, whereas is there is there a gen I guess I've got like five questions there. Is there yeah. a gender gap? And are you the type of person that, you know, maintains um, complete confidentiality away from their workplace? Yep. Yeah. And absolutely. On the confidentiality aspect. Yes, that is something where I'm, you know, the trusted advisor and confidant for a lot of my clients. And mm-hmm. I, I'm often one of the first phone calls when something big happens in life. So having people like that in your corner can be really important. Uh, and as you mentioned, family, there should be a big asterisk by by family. If you're going to have them on your board of directors, it needs to be somebody who you can trust uh, implicitly to give you unbiased advice. That's what you're looking for for the board of directors, whether it's a, your personal board of directors or for a corporate board of directors. You want expertise and unbiased advice. And when it comes to who might be professionals you can bring into that arena, obviously, from the technical and financial side, having a financial professional that sees the whole picture is really important. There's also a growing number of non-financial retirement coaches out there who are doing important work. They're filling a need, just like you talked about, that there are, are folks that are, they just want more from work and from life, but they don't know where to go. Again, they don't have a place they can go for outside perspective and expertise and not upset the delicate balance inside the rest of their life. So uh, I do find that is actually more common with, with women, probably more than 50% of the people I work with are, are female and they tend to have more of those issues because they, they just have a more interconnected social web and work network where they have a much more delicate balance and they don't have people who are separated out that they can get that outside perspective from. And I guess too, this is where I'm just thinking in, in terms of my own life where those honest conversations need to happen because I know women and I belong to a lot of, you know, sort of boomer women age uh, groups and, you know, people are going like, oh, you know, my grandchildren, I can't bear to leave them, but I would really love to live somewhere else and da, 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 da. And in my own case, I, I had sort of gone through all those scenarios as I'm close to my grandchildren. What am I going to do? And in the last year and a half, my daughters have been saying, so, so when are you going to make the big move? And I'm going like, um, I, 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 don't, I don't know. And they, I, then I went, oh, wait a minute. You're looking for a cheap vacation. And they went, absolutely. Like, you know, it's not like you're going to be gone. We'll just come to you. And it really reframed it in my own head. And I realized many of the demons I was putting or many of the blocks I was putting in my own path were out of my own head. Absolutely. And that's why it's just so important to, again, get some of these things out of your head, onto paper, and then bouncing around in in some honest conversations. Because you can spend years spinning around on the one same idea and thinking around it and saying, this obstacle is just insurmountable. We're not going to get around this obstacle. But if you frame it out, 
lay it out there and have a couple people give you their perspective on the obstacle, you might see things that instantly seem totally obvious. But again, when they're in your head, there are blind spots. So it is, it is just a funny thing about how us humans work is it's, it's difficult to read the bottle or read the label from inside the bottle. <laughs> you have a degree in psychology too. <laughs> no, I only, I only no. minored in psychology. I should have majored in psychology. Ah, Dale, it sounds like you've, uh, you're majoring in it by default. That's great. Now we're talking uh, a few weeks before our listeners are listening. <sighs> We're in the last quarter of 2020. Words like recession and inflation and all that are just so mainstream right at the moment. How does that change a person's game plan? I I think it's upping the sense of urgency. That's what I'm seeing is that the stakes just got higher for everybody, right? If If you're still working, no matter where you are on the spectrum, given what's happened in global financial markets, the the retirement nest egg that you had been looking at and planning around has probably decreased in value to some extent. And also, if you're still working, maybe your employment prospects for the next couple of years might be changing drastically. We're seeing more and more layoffs. We're seeing kind of a bifurcated labor market where some industries are red hot and can't hire people fast enough. And other industries are are laying people off. So there's more uncertainty there, obviously, recession and inflation are, are scary things no matter where you are in life. But if you are about to jump out of the retirement game, give up your paycheck, that makes it all the more scary and stressful. And again, the, the first thing you should think about doing is putting a plan together, just thinking it out, getting it out of your head, getting onto paper, and then bouncing these ideas around. Now, I was teasing at the very beginning in my intro about ageism, because you are a young person. But in dealing with the professionals you're dealing with, are any of them sort of going, I need to put a plan in place now, because at my age, my company will no doubt be easing me out the door. Is there that sort of ageism at the other end of Yes, absolutely. Spectrum? And I appreciate the compliment. I, I in my 40s, I don't feel all that young, but I'll take the compliment wherever I can get it. Um, but that is absolutely on the top of mind of just about everybody I know who is 55 plus and working in, in a corporate role, or if they are you know, looking to find the next role, they know that it's going to be incredibly difficult for their resume to get picked up and get the job interview in, in this market with the prevalence of ageism, whether it's explicit or implicit, it's there. And so it's, it's been really challenging, but again, hopefully that is a motivating factor to, to put a plan together, to plan around contingencies so that you can understand what's possible. Cause ult- ultimately when we put these things together for folks and we put the numbers down on paper, what they're afraid of, the magnitude is much smaller than the, the fear in their head. Right. Uh, if we put together the worst case scenario, somebody might think the worst case scenario is I'm going to get fired tomorrow and I'm going to be living in a van or living in my children's basement. But we, if we go through the exercise and say, hey, you've got this income source and these savings and these reserves and uh, you own your home here, 
what is the realistic worst case scenario? And you say, oh, maybe that's not too bad. I can probably weather this storm, okay? I don't need to panic. Yes, bad things can still happen, but setting a floor for, you know, worst case scenario, fear setting is what some people call it, can be really helpful to kind of get you unstuck and then get out of that defensive fear mode and into more of a proactive action-based mode. On numerous occasions, um, I've seen those okay boomer comments. And then conversely, the boomers that are complaining about some younger people uh, within the workplace, within a work environment. But it seems to me an almost perfect solution, and you tell me if I'm sort of even on the right track here, is, you know, instead of you know, firing one or not letting the next one advance is f- for the older person to take like a half-time position and train and groom the person, like share all the knowledge that's collected in that head for 30 years, 40 years, whatever it might be, if they've been with the same company or the same sort of work, um, so they can download all of what's in their head and then the next person coming in is fully prepared to take the reins and, and run and then take a company to the next level. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing promising little bits and pieces of that here and there. I, I, I hope that it becomes more and more prevalent as people see the benefits of that, because from, from the people I work with, they're not always, you know, employers assume that compensation is, you know, right at the top of their list in terms of importance, but oftentimes it's not, they want, fulfillment and autonomy and purpose. And they want to have the ability to mentor other people and share their knowledge. And the compensation part might be flexible. So it can be a great deal for employers if they're willing to, you know, do the legwork, think outside the box a little bit and explore kind of non-traditional work arrangements. And again, I really do hope that that becomes more prevalent because I think it's a win-win for, for everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Do you find that some people want a like a full stop? They they need the downtime. Um, they don't want any more major decisions. They don't want the huge responsibilities. But they know after a certain period of time, maybe a year or something, they are going to want to do something. Yeah, we we see that from time to time, and that's where if you if you are running full speed on that corporate treadmill for for years and decades. All you can focus on is just getting off, right? You, you, you don't have the mental bandwidth or the energy to plan for, for what's next. Now, in a perfect world, you'd be able to carve out just a little time to start thinking about what's next. But again, sometimes it's just not possible. And those instances, yes, it's very often true that they jump off. They take six months or 12 months off. We often call this the, the retirement honeymoon. But then they realize, I can't play any more golf or I'm watching too much TV every day, I'm falling into unhealthy habits, I need to get back out there because I, I've got this itch that I can't scratch unless I get back to work. So in some instances, again, it's necessary just by circumstance that you're going full speed and you just need to take the full stop. But if at all possible, it's so much better to be able to start thinking and planning for that next chapter a year or two or three ahead, start planting seeds for the next chapter and start little experiments about 
hey, maybe I want to try this volunteering arrangement, or maybe I want to try working here or there, whatever it might be, start this new hobby, start those a little in advance, plant those seeds, see what grows. Again, we're just experimenting and then find things that when the retirement day does come, you have something to plug into the next week or the next month, whenever you're ready for it, uh, as opposed to going full time to full stop. That's rarely a recipe for success in my view. Yeah, I guess I, th I think about a few people I know who who just don't have the bandwidth. They're, they're tired, they're pushed, they're stressed. Um, and so they, they can't even see a path to the a next destination. But also, I guess the, the thought that came to mind as you were explaining that is the word hybrid. I don't know what the exact definition of it is, but I suppose it could even be five or 10% of your life going toward it doesn't have to be a 50 50 thing it exactly could be just this little tiny sliver of experimentation exactly yep and that's that's what we find too and it's a constant adjustment nobody has it all figured out even if they've been meticulously planning for for three or five years ahead of their retirement what their next chapter is going to be once they get there life's going to change the world's going to change their their preferences are going to change and it's going to be an evolution but again doesn't mean you shouldn't start planning right away it's just be prepared for the change and the ebbs and the flows uh, of what might happen i guess to to have like just that smaller percentage of your life be about the next step it would also help you determine if it's the right next step because exactly. you may have this you know pie in the sky idea about oh i would really love to do this and then start doing it and thinking what was i doing i, I don't even like this yeah. Yeah. If, if, if you want to, let's say, pursue woodworking full time, how much time have you really spent woodworking? Have, is it something you've watched a couple of videos uh, or have you actually legitimately spent the time? So like ramp up to these things instead of thinking that this activity or hobby is going to fill 10, 20, 30, 40 hours a week of, of my time and be fulfilling. Uh, same with golf. We see that a lot here. Arizona is a big golf location and people might think, Hey, I just want to play golf all day. Uh, I want to play golf five times a week. And sometimes for some people that's great and it works, but other people, it's more of just a, a placeholder for, you know, an ideal retirement. And when they actually start living it, they realize, you know, golf is not checking all the boxes for me. I need to do something else. Uh, to keep me engaged and fulfilled. Interesting you choose golf because I do know an older couple who thought that was the perfect lifestyle, uh, bought a beautiful home close to the golf course, and they hadn't played a lot because they were so busy with their careers. And once they started actually playing golf every day, they realized that they weren't good at it and thus after a successful career, they really disliked it, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's interesting how you, you might go into something just because you, you know, you watch, I'm really dating myself here, this old house. I don't even know if that's even still on TV, uh, but you watch it and you're really interested and you think, Oh, that's so cool. I'd love to be able to do that. Uh, but the reality of a, yeah, a renovation yeah. of a working career is like, so totally yeah, different. I love that show too, but yeah, you go in and replace your first toilet and you realize, Oh, this isn't for me. Uh, <laughs> 
Oh dear, I've done a few of those. Okay. Let <laughs> me um, ask you a personal question. Yeah. At what age do you think you'll start to consider what your second act is going to look like? I don't know. I, I feel like I've got at least two decades in front of me. So oh. I'm not too worried about planning for for the next step just yet. Uh, and I think it'll be more of a of an evolution or a glide path. Uh, you know, that's one of those in that framework that we put out there. Uh, I would guess that I would be the, the glide path type where it would be kind of gradually slowing down over the course of years with a, you know, a deliberate intentional plan so that you could carve out more and more time and freedom to do other things, but not golf. Cause I'm terrible at golf. <laughs> okay. I won't see you on the golf course when I moved to Arizona. Um, <laughs> I was thinking that, you know, you, you talk about the, the glide path, which I take it as a more gradual thing, but I mean, we're just coming out of a pandemic, two and a half years of like, total different lifestyle do you find that there is sometimes it's almost like the straw that breaks the camel's back where they thought they were doing fine they thought no I can go another 10 years and then something happens I'm going to say professionally because I certainly understand that if something happens personally then you you make the choices real fast but is there any where that as I said it's just absolutely yeah straw that breaks the the camel's back the, the pandemic was a huge catalyst and accelerant for this trend people you know especially in the working world they realized that commuting traveling might not be necessary uh and as now as employers are saying okay we want you back on the airplane back in the conference room back on the freeway five days a week a lot of people are just saying no i'm i i don't want that life anymore i i will do my same work but you know, I know that it can be done via Zoom. I don't want to be in a hotel room a hundred nights a year. So that has been a really dramatic shift that I've seen across a number of different industries with with professionals. Just the what people are willing to tolerate and from you know the things that surround work, especially commuting and travel. I, I don't know sort of the generational span of what you do. But but is there any generational differences or have you seen any generational differences between an older career person who is just, they're so focused, it's sort of like this one focus is their career, this whatever they've chosen to do, their profession. Um, and, and so getting off of that hamster wheel is really like just so big, so so much bigger, I guess, than their imagination. Um, as opposed to perhaps a younger person who says, you know, this isn't actually working for me. You know, there's other options out there, you know, because they're not as invested, perhaps. That's probably the yeah. wrong word. But No, I, I think there is a slight generational difference, right? You know, the the boomers tend to be a little closer to that traditional path mm-hmm. again, because 20, 30, 40 years ago, that was the only path, was the traditional path of work until full retirement age sometime in your 60s, and then you retire, you have a pension and some retirement savings. So they are naturally a little bit more, they're closer to that traditional path. So deviating seems a little bit bigger, a little bit more daunting. Uh, and from what I'm, my anecdotal experience is that those Folks are thinking about the hybrid approach more as they get into the three to five year or less 
window up until the finish line. Now, the younger generations, whether that's people in their 40s and 50s, they are much more open and thinking more the hybrid way because they've seen it proven out. And if somebody's been in the workforce for, say, 25, 30 years, they've been through, they're now in the midst of their third major recession. They've probably had more job changes than somebody that started uh, in the 80s and 90s because, you know, the, the economy has been moving faster and faster with technology. Again, we've had these three big uh, disruptive recessions that have, have changed the landscape. So people are a little bit more accustomed to moving around, pivoting in their career. So they're more comfortable and a little bit more confident in their ability to make pivots along the way and figure it out as they go. Do you find a lot of people, um, probably in the older we get, the the more heavily invested we are in, uh, we identify ourselves by our profession, by our career, as opposed to the golfer or, you know, the, the marathon runner or whatever, like all those other things that comprise a person's life. But a lot of people don't see themselves except what their profession is. Yeah, that can be a huge problem, again, if we don't have a plan for for what you're going to do next, because your identity is if it your identity is solely focused and hinged on your professional identity the day you retire you have no identity and that's that's a dangerous place to be so you need to again diversify your identity and where you find fulfillment and who you are and what makes you unique instead of i used to be <laughs> this professional because that that is just not a, a recipe for success. I guess too, that's where the hybrid model would come in really handy because you can maintain that identity to a certain extent while allowing other options in or finding other options. Exactly. Yeah. What haven't I asked you that our listeners should know, might think about? So I think the, the thing that you haven't touched on. I know we have, we've avoided the, the technical financial planning aspects because I know we have a multinational audience here. Typically uh, folks in the U S we, we get into some of the tax planning things. Cause that's one of my passions is uh, helping people reduce their tax burdens. You know, the, the folks who I talk to and I work with, they've paid a lot of taxes over their lifetime. And uh, I always love being able to help them out with, with that strategy. Again, this at this stage in life, what the stakes are never higher. You know, you've amassed savings over your entire life. Your savings have never gotten higher, and you're about to just hit the stop button on on your paycheck. So the stakes are really high. The tax burden is one of the biggest expenses you're going to have over the course of your life, and I think planning around that is something that is often overlooked. So happens to be one of my passions, but I think something to be thinking about is that your plan, both your financial and your non-financial plan, I want it to be really holistic. And I want you to think about connecting all the dots between, like I said, tax strategy might impact where you want to live or where you should live. And that might impact how you invest. And that might impact your cash flow. And your cash flow might impact how much time you spend with your family who doesn't live nearby. So put all of these things on paper, start thinking about it as a connected web of 
financial and non-financial components that is your life. Uh, because so often we just get stuck thinking about each individual item in its own silo and not taking a look at the bigger picture, connecting the dots. And that's where we can often optimize things, remove obstacles um, by, by taking that holistic look. So I don't think I fully answered your question. I went on a little bit of my my uh, my diatribe, but that that's really, you know, having guided so many people at this juncture in life, uh, that would be the one big takeaway is like have that big picture interconnected viewpoint and, and think through all the different components. We have really focused on you know, defining yourself and, and what that next stage will look like. Yeah, we didn't touch on the financial side as much, although it's obvious that it needs to be considered. You're a financial advisor. Correct. Is that correct? Yes. What other credentials do you have? Or did, was it just within your financial uh, or under your financial advisor umbrella, you found this leading into retirement, pre-retirement planning really interesting and something you could get excited about yeah. do you have other credentials that yeah i do so i'm a i'm a certified financial planner professional mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is the credential uh in the u.s and, and beyond a chartered financial analyst uh which is a, a global certification on for uh financial analysis and then uh, another u.s certification is a chartered advisor of philanthropy so Oftentimes, a lot of my clients are especially interested and they've been blessed where they're at the point where they get to focus more about giving it away too, which is really interesting and exciting. And again, there's a lot of tax strategy involved with that as well. So I'm always you know, continuously learning more and connecting the dots between what I find interesting and I'm passionate about and what's important and passionate with my clients as well. Uh, so that's kind of, it's keeps driving me more and more focused towards this transition because this is where, this is where all the action happens, right? People might be on a multi-decade long cruise control in their career. And then once they get into that traditional retirement mode, they might be in another cruise control, but there's this transitionary window. It might only be one year. It might be 10 years, it might be longer, but that's when people are open to changing and, you know, re-examining their approach, doing something different, exploring what else might be possible. So that's really why I like to focus at this, this juncture in life. The reason I ask that question is I have a financial advisor. She was fabulous, came with a big company, and, and she did, when I was getting ready to pull the plug, say to me, okay, like, these are some of the things we have to think about. This is some of the, you know, like, this is the financial picture that you need to know what you're doing. And it never occurred to me. I just appreciated the fact she did all that. It mm -hmm. never occurred to me that possibly as well as looking for a good financial advisor, knowing that they have other areas of expertise related, of course, um, might be a good idea. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll circle back to that career crossroads workbook one more time. In, I'm in just going to say uh, my very next question is tell us more. Like we, okay. Yeah, please do. And I, I will circle back on one point there in, in that part of the action planning process in, in that workbook is solving for five critical components. And again, this is us focused, but 
most people think of financial advisors as only handling investments. That's one of the five critical components, but there are still four other critical components you need to solve for. And you should have a professional that can help you with all five of those things. So the other four outside of investments are your cash flow and making sure that you have sustainable cash flow. Again, that's going to come from different sources. It's going to be variable. You need to solve for that in this next stage. You also need to solve for health insurance, uh, especially if you're taking this hybrid approach. Maybe you are leaving the workforce and leaving back behind uh, employer-provided health insurance coverage. And if you're not 65 here in the States, you don't qualify for Medicare, which is our retirement medical program. So it can be very difficult and challenging and expensive to solve for health insurance if you're taking that hybrid approach and it needs to be a, a part of your plan. Then you've got all of your different re retirement accounts and benefits. Here in the States, we've got 401ks, IRAs, uh, you've got social security. People need to have an integrated plan for how those are all going to work, when they're going to claim certain benefits, how they impact uh, number four, which is your tax strategy. And most of us here in the States look at taxes once a year in the rearview mirror saying, what happened last year? I'm going to report it. Okay, we're moving on. But we never, so we're only looking in the rearview mirror. We're never looking out the windshield. We're never planning ahead for the next year and the year after that and the decade ahead of that. That is really critical as you get to this stage in life because you're going to have more control over all the different components of your financial situation. So if you can be strategic, you can really maximize the opportunity and minimize your taxes over your lifetime. So you sh your plan should really incorporate all those items and more. Yeah, um, I did not have time to go through the workbook really carefully. I did scan through and go like, oh, yeah, I like that. And like, oh, my goodness, I got to come back and look at this. Is, is there anything else in your workbook that you would really, I mean, I'm going to rec we're going to recommend that everybody go pick it up anyways, but that they should really go and dig around and. Look yeah. I think just spend an afternoon. It's kind of meant to be an exercise you can work through over the course of a couple hours on an afternoon. Even if you're a busy professional, maybe, uh, uh, you know, on, on the airplane or on a Saturday afternoon, you can find some time to work through it. Uh, you know, Take your pen or pencil out and actually, you know, write things down. Again, get it out of your head, get it onto paper. Uh, maybe have your spouse or partner go through it as well. Um, the the workbook itself is very much focused on your whole life, not just financial side. It is very much focused on the non-financial components as well. If you're in the U.S. and you want the deeper dive on the financial aspect, uh, on the second page there's a link to a companion webinar that goes deeper on the financial side of things about the strategy, uh, specifically around retirement accounts, taxes, et cetera. So again, if you're in the States, that would be a valuable complimentary resource to work through. And the ultimate goal of the workbook is for you to put together a one-page plan for your victory lap so that you can see right on top, what's my vision for the future? These are my three to five big goals that I want to achieve. And then below that, are the action steps you are actively taking and monitoring to help you achieve your goals and your vision. So that's, again, what that's what really drives me, what gets me excited. And I hope it's gotten some folks excited here on the call today so that, you know, you can have that workbook and within a couple hours or a couple days, um, you can have on paper a plan for what's next. 
two thoughts that come to mind are, first of all, you may be talking Americanese, but no matter if, if you're in a developed country, there's going to be similar pieces of the puzzle. You just exactly. have to figure out what those are and what, what do you call them in your, con- in your country. Yep. And then, you know, with your workbook, is it true that, you know, it's not written in indelible ink? It can be revamped at any point in time? Absolutely. You should absolutely feel free to use an eraser if needed. It, it, there's going to be countless iterations yeah. uh, of, of that plan. But it starts with putting pen to paper the first time. And then you can track where things are moving. And you can reflect on that. Uh, again, it's so valuable to just get this out of your head and get it, make it tangible. I think I appreciate the fact that you, you know, you spelled out all the different pieces of the puzzle because so many of us get sort of fixated on, on what seems to be one or two of the most important aspects to us. And by not thinking about some of the other pieces of the puzzle, um, it can come back to bite us up the road. Exactly. Yep. And that's why that, that, uh, you know, holistic view is some, so important. A, a common example I see here in the States, again, because health insurance is complicated if you don't qualify for Medicare, people might freeze in their tracks and say, I can't possibly leave my employment because I, I wouldn't have an option for health insurance or it'd be too expensive. And I am going to put everything else on hold. I'm not going to even think about these other things because health insurance is scary or it's too expensive. But again, if we put it on paper, we talk to some people, they might say, oh, actually, yes, th- there are some hoops you'll have to jump through. It might not be simple, but it's solvable. And then everything else starts to open up after that. So again, even if th- they seem like insurmountable hurdles, the the best way to start addressing them is, is to get them out there put some daylight on them and then start thinking through them, talking through it. It it can really be helpful. Well, one thing I know is true is that we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. So, you know, based on our life, we think that's our only option or that's the most obvious option. But by talking to a professional like you, it's like you have a much bigger picture idea of what's out there, all the different pieces that might work that we don't even know exist. So, Excellent. Good. Where do we find your workbook? So I know that you've linked it in the show notes. Um, That's the best. Another place you can find me is on LinkedIn. I'm Justin D as in David Smith at Savant Wealth Management. And the workbook, the webinars, and a bunch of other educational materials are all prominently featured there on my LinkedIn profile as well. So those would be the two places I'd point you to if, if you're inspired by this conversation and and want to take the next step. Good. People are well aware by now that you're in the States. I'm in Canada. You only work with people in the States. Is that correct? That's correct. I work with people across all 50 States, uh, but unfortunately do not cross borders. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a certification thing just for our listeners, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's a regulatory (laughs) issue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So all the American listeners can go check you out, have a conversation and All the others can go get your workbook and then spread the word to their American family and friends. (laughs) That'd be great. Okay, good. Yeah, and we've both determined that all the links are in the show notes. That's great. Listeners, if you have comments on today's show, please talk to us. 
If you're listening at twoboomerwomen.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and leave your comments there. We can be found at Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon, most places a person would listen to podcasts. Feel free to leave comments there and please leave stars and reviews. They help us grow. Before you go, hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. Share this conversation with a few friends or colleagues who are considering changing up their current career for the life of choice. Uh, As Justin pointed out, there are a lot of choices out there. And as we get closer to a new year, this may be a perfect time to think about what we want our future to look like. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, there's an application form at the website. Or if you want to hear wisdom on a specific subject, message me at twoboomerwomen.com. Justin, thank you for being my guest on Two Boomer Women today and sharing your knowledge and your expertise. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Have a great rest of the week. You too. Thanks. Thanks.